Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. Come to you too, Rolander. You know, really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a real pain. <laughs> We welcome to the show Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals, kapusta, lumpy, padoli, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Polish tradition there. Welcome, everyone, to the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys check us out today. i got some obviously crazy uh, crazy news. Uh, with You have left guard, center, Badger standout, offensive lineman Dan Voltz retiring. We've got an article up there. Uh, we have our feature on Alex Erickson and his journey into the NFL and the mark that he's leaving so far with the Cincinnati Bengals. A lot of stuff going on. Obviously, we're less than two weeks away from the Wisconsin Badgers taking on the LSU Tigers at Lambeau Field. I know I'll be there. This gentleman will also be there. Jason Galloway, Wisconsin State Journal. Make sure you guys check out all of Jason's articles, his just posts, his tweets. He is one of the best on the beat. We got Jason Galloway here. How you doing, my friend? And kind of a crazy, I definitely I'd say a crazy uh, day, to say the least. Yeah, how you doing, Jake? Yeah, it's, uh, it was crazy. It kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. Um, you know, practice, you know, the last open practice of fall camp ended, and we walked down, and Paul Chris was about to come over and talk to us, and we find out uh, that Dan Voltus, you know, decided to retire. Um you know, it was you know you kind of you kind of thought maybe something was up. The fact that he really hadn't played, done any you know he'd been out resting pretty much all of all camp, but from the first couple of days, and um, I was starting to wonder if there was you know a uh, reason to believe he he may be you know he may be in jeopardy of missing that first game, and then of course I was going to actually ask about it you know when Paul talked after practice, and then he came out and said that you know Volt expected you know Volt had decided to retire, so it was. 
a little bit of a shock. And, you know, he's a guy that is, is struggled with not just the knee injury last year against Illinois, but at the end of 2014, he had the ankle issues and he's just kind of been dealing with, he said he's been dealing with some other things that he didn't really get into the last couple of years. Um, and he just, you know, with his body beat up like this, he just wanted to go ahead and call it quits and, 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 and be able to, you know, kind of get out of bed in the morning when he's 40 years old, really. And you can't blame him for that, especially with the amount of injuries that he's gone through. And it, you've seen that happen with just a few of the off, you know, not just offensive linemen, but defensive linemen. You had Hayden Beagle last year uh, decide to hang up his football career due to head, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, head injuries. But you also had uh, Arthur Goldberg, who, you know, the defensive lineman was versatile, where being a nose guard also out at defensive end with Dave Aranda's defense was was a key part, especially with uh, having it was Connor Sheehy. Uh, and then later, Olive Segapulo really holding it down at nose guard. That versatility there. It's uh, where does that? Where's the depth right now with Dan Volts and you and I? You've seen practice more than I have, but from what I've seen, you have Micah Kapoy. You have you know at left guard. You have John Dietzen, who, uh, along with his fabulous mullet, which I was up close and personal with that maybe a couple days ago, walking in to practice, and that thing was flowing. Uh, I hope he has a name for it. But it's you have you have. You know, those two guys at left guard competing, you have Bo Benchwall at right guard. But, you know, with the injuries to Ryan Ramchek, uh, you know, with, with his left leg, just even a guy like, uh, you know, George uh, Panos, uh, Joe's son, being off the 105-man roster because of a right shoulder injury that's lingering, it just seems like, you know, that offensive line, which many thought that would be improved from last season, you know, it's, it's become a question mark again with with those health issues. Yeah, I think you're right, and you know they're not really in a position you, you'd want to be in with a lot of a lot of offensive linemen missing camp time, and and now Volts being gone. You know, I, I will say just from what I've seen that it, they can probably cope with losing uh, a guy like Volts at the guard position more so than if they lost one of their tackles. Um, you know, I think Micah, Micah Gafoy, I think is a guy that kind of improved throughout last year, and he's probably going to get the first chance at that uh, that left guard spot. But I also think, like you mentioned, John, John Deason. You know, if it was if it was only up to the best hair, as John Deason could just pick where he started. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, but I also think that, uh, you know, I also think he's, that he's done a really good job. He's kind of progressed, and you can, it's kind of hard to know exactly what Deason would look like if he went out there, you know, in a game situation. He is a retro freshman, hasn't, hasn't played at all. But I think he's a strong guy. I think they like him a lot. And I think he's going to push Kapoi at that left guard spot and, uh, and, you know, I, I think that that's going to help Kapoi, too, just to have a guy right there that, um, that that's pushing for playing time. So, um, But I think if, if they were to miss Ramchek, you know, Ramchek's been dealing with an injury right now. If, if he were to miss games, um, which isn't really expected, but, you know, if he were to miss games or if Jacob Maxwell, who's coming off foot surgery this summer, were to miss games, I think they'd be in a lot, lot more trouble. Um, Brett Connors has been taking reps at left tackle the past few days with Ramchek out, and uh, I, I don't think he's he, he's ready to to go in there right now. I don't think it would be. Um, I don't think the Badgers really want to want to you know go out there with him at left tackle to start the season. Um, and then you know today with Maxwell has kind of been limited a little bit with that coming off the of foot surgery and and they played. I remember you know they played David Edwards at right tackle who you know two months ago was a tight end. You don't really know how he would fare in, a, in an actual game and uh, they they did some reps today where they put. Bo Benshaw out at right tackle instead of right guard and, and put somebody else in there at guard. And 
you think maybe that would be their best solution. But I also think that Ben Shaw really struggled in pass protection at right tackle last year before he moved to guard, and, and, and they would really love to keep him a guard because I think he's a lot better guard than he is tackle. So, um, you know, losing Volts hurts, especially his experience. I mean, Kapoi's not, not the player Dan Volts. We know Dan Volts can be. And John Deason is an, an inexperienced guy, and kind of, you know, you just don't really know what you're going to get out of him once he actually gets into a game situation. So it, it obviously hurts to lose Volts, but I think um, I think they can I think they can you know survive with, with either Kapoy or Deason at, at left guard. Um, if one if if you know if one of their tackles misses time, though, I think that's a little bit more of an issue. We are joined here now, Jason Galloway, Wisconsin State Journal, Madison.com. We also have, have look at that. We have Scott Wisniewski, the Polish Rifle, here now, uh, my co-host there. Scotty, how you doing, brother? Wonderful, wonderful. I, uh, I'm i just so frustrated with technology. I was actually calling in at like, I don't know, 827, and I couldn't get my phone to connect until, I don't know, 835. Ugh. So otherwise, I'm, do- I'm doing great. So <laughs> terrific. No, understandable. Uh, we're, you know, and we're talking here with Jason Galloway, talking some Badgers fall camp, and obviously with the, the surprising news of Stanford's retirement, we've discuss that along with just how the offensive line could function without him heading into the September 3rd game against the LSU Tigers. But looking at competition, and obviously it's the big talk of camp, and you know, Jason, you and I have written about it, I think, extensively. You have more than I have on this, but obviously uh, the battle for quarterback between redshirt senior, fifth-year senior, Bart Houston, and the Southpaw redshirt freshman Alex Hornibrook. I wasn't there for practice today, but, you know, from what it's been talked about, from what you've written, from what, uh, you know, what, what I saw as well during fall camp, it looks like the battle is still even. I, I don't – you have your give and take with each quarterback. Houston has that arm strength uh, and, and the ability to put the ball in certain places that are, you know, with some speed. But he's also made some, some mistakes, some interceptions. But on the opposite side, you have Alex Hornibrook – a player that can has, I think, the potential to be a, a three, four-year starter, the ability to put a nice touch on a deep ball to a receiver, which could really complement a, a running game that may see eight or nine guys in the box uh, on the defensive side. But he also forces some balls, maybe doesn't have the arm strength that Houston does. What have you seen, you know, at the end of this fall camp, and, and who do you think maybe has the edge heading into LSU? Well, I think that, uh, you know, Bart Houston told me a couple of days ago that, you know, Paul Chris, you know, came out and told told both the quarterbacks, you know, neither of you has won the job and neither of you has lost it. I think I, I think that's pretty much how you look at this right now. I think uh, you, you would have liked to, seen, to have seen one of these guys put together a little bit more consistency throughout camp, put together a few, you know, one of them put together, you know, a few really great days in a row and, and kind of separate themselves from the other. That hasn't really happened. Um, I don't think he's, I don't think they've been terrible either. Um, you know, you'll have times during practice where, you know, either of these guys will just throw this, you know, this perfect ball that kind of makes you go, wow, I really think he can be the starting quarterback. That was such a great throw. And then, you know, later in practice, uh, you know, they'll be they'll make a really poor decision and throw a right to a, right to a defensive player. So it's, um, I think consistency is really the key with these guys. Um, both of them have some talent. You mentioned Houston's arm strength. I think is really impressive. Hornybrook has has some really nice touch on the ball, and I think he's getting a little bit more comfortable in the pocket too. 
Um, so it's it's really I think it's a little too close to call right now. I think if I had if I had to choose one, I would probably say Houston has been you know very maybe maybe slightly better on the whole than Hornybrook. It's been really close though, and of course Houston does have a little bit more experience. He's a fifth year senior, got some playing time last year against Illinois, and and played you know played decently well. Um, so I think if I had to choose one now, I think Bart Houston's going to end up being the starter, but I wouldn't be surprised if Tony Brooks still won the job. They've still got some practices left between now and the LSU game. The media is not going to see anymore. So that so we're not going to be able to kind of uh, get a look at these guys anymore. But um, I, I also wouldn't rule out both of them playing against LSU. If, if, if this continues and neither of them separates themselves, you know, one guy's got to take the first snap, but um yeah, I talked to Paul Chris in the summer, earlier in the summer, about the quarterback battle, and you know, I asked him, you know, you know, about having a deadline on when to when to pick a starter, and um, you know, I was I was saying, you know, I guess you definitely don't want to, you know, play, you know, go into this first game not really knowing who you want to go with, and um, he didn't really give you know a straight answer, but it, I kind of got the got the sense that he wouldn't rule that out playing two guys in, in the first game. Um, I think he'd rather not do that. You, you kind of want to go into that first game knowing who your guy is, and, and maybe that still emerges over the next week, and and they choose a guy and just go with him. But um, as of right now, I'd say it's a really close race still here, 11 days before the season opener. And um, if I had to pick one of the two, I'd probably go with Houston. We're here with Jason Galloway here on Bucky's fifth quarter, the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. You heading into the Looking at the other side of the ball, and I know it's also been discussed, safety maybe is the second most, well, now with Dan Volz retiring, maybe it's uh, 1B or 1C when it comes to the issues, or not issues, but just question marks for the Wisconsin Badgers. But with safeties, we've seen a mix of Leo Musso. You've seen a mix of, uh, you know, the senior from Wanakee, but also Arrington Farrar, the, the sophomore from Georgia, the and then you also have Dakota Dixon, who went, yeah, they've been trying to give rest here and there. But it looks like those three have been interchangeable. Uh, you also have Joe Ferguson, the former walk-on, working in with the second teamers. And then also uh, seeing some true freshmen with Eric Burrell, Patrick Johnson, maybe getting some work with that second team, uh, starting to, to showcase that talent and get more comfortable when it comes to, to playing on the defense. Uh, what do you see out of those safeties and and is it a little bit of concern where you have Musso, who, according to the roster, you know, what's what's on UWBadgers.com, has added about, you know, about six to eight pounds onto his frame, up to about 194, 195 pounds. But his, you know, is it a bit of a concern having a, a smaller safety like him against Leonard Fournette, who, you know, despite a high or a low ankle sprain from what it looked like a, a slight one, uh, you know, it, how do you see these safeties, especially Musso, panning out? Uh, with you know just early on and in, in, in trying to replace Michael Caputo and Tanner McAvoy. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a concern. I mean I think um, you know I mentioned on my podcast earlier this week that I did that you know Tanner McAvoy is probably you know a bigger key to the, the success of last year's defense than I think some people some people realize that when you when you have a six six you know athletic freak back there that can cover as much ground as he can. Uh, you know, I think he had six interceptions last year, and um, you know, if he if he was a lone deep safety, he could cover a lot of ground, and you feel pretty good about you know leaving Michael Caputo closer to the line of scrimmage to help with the running game. Um, you know, I'm not sure if if Musso can bring that same type of type of game. Uh, you know, he's a shorter guy, smaller guy. Um, 
And I just – it's just hard. And, you know, we saw – he did start last year against Alabama uh, for the first game before they moved McAvoy uh, from wide receiver to safety. And uh, we saw him struggle a little bit in that Alabama game. And you mentioned, you know, a guy like – stopping a guy like Leonard Fournette. You know, I, I think, you know, Wisconsin obviously struggled a lot with Derrick Henry last year. And um, I think maybe a lot of that had to do with, um, you know, your, your safeties. But, you know, in that Alabama game after Michael Caputo got hurt were Leo Musso and Dakota Dixon – um, now Dixon's a really physical guy, I think, and I think he he's a guy that can, that can play the run pretty well. But they're two smaller guys. Where if Derrick Henry, you know, or Leonard Fournette gets past that first level, it's it's hard to bring him down. Um, so I think I think there is a there definitely are concerns there. I think we kind of have to wait and see, you know, what happens. Um, you know, I kind of thought Arrington Farrar might have ended up passing Musso during this camp. It hasn't really happened. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Musso. Um, who is a guy that, you know, is around the ball a lot. He gets a lot of interceptions in practice. He's, he he, he kind of has a nose for the ball. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that, he's a guy that does have some experience. He's never started before, but, you know, through, you know, through his last, the last few years, he has gotten on the field some and does have some experience back there. So it'll be interesting to see if he's kind of used the offseason to develop, develop a little bit more and kind of become a more all-around safety and also see if Ferrar – can kind of push him more these last couple of weeks of camp and, and uh, push him for that starting job. So I, I'm kind of in wait-and-see mode on, on the secondary. Um, I think the corners are probably a little bit better shape than I thought they were before fall camp, but the safeties, I think, are still a big question mark, and I'm kind of curious to see how they play in that first game against LSU. Now, here's a question about the defense as a whole. So obviously you lose some talented players. Uh, you have a new defensive coordinator – what do you see some of the bigger differences, not necessarily in scheme, but just from nuances that might be a little bit different about this team? Are they going to try to do some things, maybe be more aggressive or less aggressive to uh, cover for some of the spots where they might be lacking? I mean, what have you seen so far that gives you any indication of what this defense is going to look like as a, as a unit? I think it's going to look, you know, pretty similar. Um, yeah, obviously they're staying with the base three, four, and, you know, schematically, like you mentioned, it's not going to be a whole lot of changing. Um, they they haven't really showed their hand too much when we're watching practice. Obviously, they're not pulling out a lot of, uh, you know, all your, your – they're kind of a lot of – staying, staying in base a lot. They're, you know, uh, not doing a whole lot of interesting things. But I think one thing maybe to look for is just – and it goes back to the, the secondary and, and replacing three starters and, and having a different group of safeties back there. It's just that, you know, it, it – if the Badgers feel, if Justin Wilcox doesn't feel quite as comfortable, you know, put maybe putting his corners and man-to-man coverage as, as much as Dave Aranda did last year or, or having, you know, only one safety back there in Tanner McAvoy versus, um, versus, you know, not feeling as comfortable having, you know, a different player back there. Um, I think you may see, you know, a, a Wisconsin defense that, that maybe can't be quite as aggressive as it was last year. I think Dave Aranda did a really great job of, you know, bringing a lot of different blitz packages and kind of confusing offensive lines, um, getting after the quarterback in, in that way. And it really helped the secondary too. And it helped, uh, it kind of helped the whole defense when you can, you know, bring a lot of pressure from different areas and, and uh, get after the quarterback pretty quickly. But I think that, you know, if you don't have a secondary you can trust, uh, I think that makes it a lot more difficult to bring pressure. And it's going to be interesting to see if Justin Wilcox, how aggressive he is and how much he trusts that secondary to kind of uh, play man-to-man coverage or, or leave just one safety back and um, how much pressure he can actually bring after the quarterback. So I think it's going to be kind of 
uh, a big question heading into this season. And, um, you know, if he can't be quite as aggr- quite as as aggressive, I think it really um, it could really hurt the defense. We're here with Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal, Madison.com. Follow him on Twitter, of course, at Jason underscore, underscore Galloway. That's two L's. And he's here on the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And we, you look at maybe something that we haven't talked about a lot, uh, but special teams. Uh, and you look at the fact that from what I've seen and what's been reported, Rafael Gaglianoni seems to be on a roll uh, lately, and it's been, yeah. uh, you know, having the fact that, uh, you know, just he connected, looked like he, on Monday when I was there, having connected on all the field goal attempts, including a 52-yarder, and then, uh, so it looks like he solidified, obviously, the place-kicking position for the third straight year, but you're looking at, you know, kickoff specialists, you're looking at punters, you have a true freshman, an Anthony Lottie, that the coaching staff was confident enough to give a scholarship uh, out of Georgia, had a chance to talk with him uh, yesterday. But then you also have P.J. Rosowski, a former walk-on, on that note. But even on the kickoff specialist, uh, you have Andrew Endicott, a former walk-on. From what I saw, too, if I'm not mistaken, it's P.J. Rosowski as well competing for, for that job, and who, when Endicott was having some issues with his hamstring last year, uh, stepped up and, and held some kickoff duties there. Uh, what have you seen out of the, the kickers, the punters, but maybe even some of the return guys uh, what should Badger fans expect from special teams this year? Well, I think as far as Gaglianone, I think you're right. He's been he's been really hot during camp. I mean, he yeah. I think yesterday he missed he narrowly missed a 54 yard kick, and I was that was the first field goal he's missed in, in a long time. I can't remember the last time you know he missed in practice um, since that 54 yard. He kicks about I think he kicks about five you know probably five or six per practice, and they kind of start short and go longer and he was consistently nailing that 50-plus yard field goal um, until that 54-yarder uh, yesterday, I believe it was. So, um, or maybe it was today. I can't remember. But yeah, he's he's been really great. Um, as far as the punter competition, um, you know, I think I think it's I think Lottie's probably got the advantage right now. Someone actually asked Chris today after the practice, um, you know, if if he's just, if they've decided to go with Lottie as their punter, and and Chris said not officially. So. <laughs> I don't know if that means that <laughs> Lottie has won the job and he doesn't want to come out and publicly say it or, uh, you know, he doesn't want to tell the freshman that he's won the job even if he has. But um, I think it's encouraging how well that rosowski has been able to push Lottie. Um, you know, they're, they're both getting pretty equal reps during the punting drills. And uh, Rosowski's, you know, he, Rosowski's a guy that will give you that occasional booming, you know, 55-yard punt with, with great hang time. But it's just a matter of kind of consistently doing that. Um I think Lottie's kind of becoming a little bit more consistent as camp as camp has gone on. The first first week, I think he was he was maybe a little off. Uh, I don't know if it's just transitioning to, to to college and just kind of not being comfortable right away, um, you know, being in a new environment and stuff like that. Uh, but I think he's gotten a little bit better, and I, I do I do think he'll end up he'll end up starting this year. Um, you know, as far as kickoffs go, I think you know I think Endicott will will get the first chance there. You know, he's had, as you mentioned, he had dealt with injuries before and. And the good thing is you have a guy like Rosowski that, that's done that before too and has a strong leg. So um, I think the good thing is they, they feel like they have, you know, depth that, you know, the, the punter and the kickoff position, you know, where they have two guys at, at both of those where they feel they can, they can stick a guy in there and if something happens to the starter, then uh, they have somebody else that can fill in. Um, 
And, you know, as far as the return game goes, I think that's that's probably the most interesting most interesting part of special teams right now. Um, I, I would expect Natrell Jamerson in kickoffs. I, 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 you know, he did a good job last year. He had that one touchdown at, against Maryland. Um, but, but I think you know they're still giving Corey Clement reps at both punt, punt and kick return. I think it would be really interesting if they decided to go ahead and use him in that capacity. I think Clement could be really dangerous on uh, on punts or kickoffs. And uh, you know, if they don't, if, if they're not afraid to, you know, kind of use some of Clement's energy on on those type of plays and not risk injury to him, then I think he's a guy that can kind of be a game changer, um, you know, whenever he has the ball in his hand. So I think that'll be interesting to watch. Um, obviously, there's no more open practices, so we're not, you know, we're not going to know exactly um, what they're what they're going to go with there in the first game. But I think it'll be interesting to see kind of what the what the return depth chart is when the when the first depth depth chart comes out on Monday, um, and if they end up using Clement there in any kind of way. You, you know, it's it's really hard at college football unless it's Alabama or somebody who you know is you know has a bunch of st- returners and turning starters and whatnot. It's really hard to gauge how a team like the Badgers will match up against teams like LSU, Ohio State, Michigan, and a tough meat grinder of the schedule, especially the early part of their their uh, their Big Ten schedule. So I, I, I hesitate to ask you to predict a winner for the LSU game. What I'd rather do is, uh, from what you've seen, ask you what you think the top and the bottom, the ceiling and the floor, how many games can this team win? best case scenario and how many teams can they lose worst case scenario that's a good question it's it's it is hard to predict right now um i'd say probably the best case scenario for this team in terms of the regular season i would probably say is maybe like a nine and three record um and that's being that would be you know being very optimistic i think obviously you've got lsu to open the season who's uh you know not the number five team in the ap poll You've got, uh, you know, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, you know, five teams that are ranked, I think, in the top 17 of the AP poll in the first, uh, I guess, in the first two months of the season. Um, and then you also got tough games, you know, against Nebraska at Northwestern. So it's a brutal schedule. But I think um, I think when you look at this LSU game, you know, I think I've, you know, I'm going to be picking LSU to win the game when it comes down to it. But it's a game that's at Lambeau field. You have to expect there's going to be more Wisconsin fans. Uh, I think Wisconsin's going to be kind of hungry to finally win one of these opening games after losing to LSU and Alabama the last couple of years. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't rule them out of winning this LSU game. I don't think it's, you know, out of question that they could kind of surprise people and, 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 and kind of pull an upset here. Um, I probably won't, you know, won't be picking that to happen, but I think if, if they're able to win this first game and surprise some people, then I think it sets them up to, um, you possibly, you know, uh, you know, possibly go something like nine and three if, if when you're talking about best case scenarios. Uh, worst case scenario, you know, I think the worst case scenario is you lose to LSU, uh, you lose to Michigan State and, and Michigan on the road, and then you know the team you know sort of feels like the season's slipping away from them, and it's harder, you know, harder to get up for some of these other games, and you're sitting there at two and five, and you're just hanging on. Um, I'd say maybe around the six and six range is probably the case. Um, maybe even five and seven if, if if the season gets away. They're two and five and the season gets away from them, and um, and uh, you know they they lose in Northwestern and and maybe to Nebraska too. Um, you know I'm not I'm not I'm not expecting them to go five and seven. Certainly I'm not expecting them to go nine and three either. But 
I think if you're just kind of looking at one, one extreme to the other, uh, I think it's probably kind of the range you can look at. Jason, we always appreciate your insights, my good man, and we'll let you go. I know we went a little over than what I told you we would, but whenever nah, we have no a conversation, that always seems to happen with between us there. But, uh, but no, thanks again. Have a great night, and next time I see you, well, maybe if they allow it up in the Lambeau Field press box, maybe I'll try to bring some donuts up for on, uh, on September 3rd. Oh, that'd be great. We've been waiting all camp for you to you to bring us donuts again. <laughs> <laughs> Greenbush, they're they're addictive, man. Uh, t- oh, yeah. Take care, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Okay, see you later, guys. Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal. Follow him at Jason underscore Galloway. You know, what, let's take a quick break, real quick, guys. We're gonna play some audio uh, interview that we were able to do earlier today with Derek Watt. Uh, he, he touches base on the retirement of Dan Volts, along with how his NFL career has gone so far and what he uh, expects out of the Wisconsin fullbacks and his brother for that matter. So without further ado, here's San Diego Chargers fullback Derek Watt on Bucky's fifth quarter and the Kielbasa Kings sports extravaganza. Everybody, welcome back to the Kielbasa Kings sports extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's fifth quarter. And, you know, we've talked with Alex Erickson. We've talked with Tanner McAvoy over the past couple of weeks and checking in with other former Badgers that are, Making it in the NFL right now. Uh, really fortunate to have on the show. We got fullback Derek Watt, a draft pick by the San Diego Chargers. Derek, can I just ask, how's the weather down down there? Is it nice down there in the summer? Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, there's no complaints in that area for sure. It's uh, you know, 75 to 85 just about every day, and it's uh, it's, it's awesome. I am jealous. I would love to uh, see the Pacific Ocean on a daily basis. Uh, you know, before we uh, get into the, before we discuss some of the, uh, just what's been going down in San Diego and being re- reunited with Melvin Gordon, uh, you and I spoke about it just a couple minutes earlier. Uh, Dan Volt, the center, left guard, highly touted offensive lineman for the Wisconsin Badgers, announced uh, that he was stepping away from football, uh, retiring from the game uh, earlier this afternoon, and uh, you know you played with Dan for, for years, a uh, you know, good friend of yours. What can you tell us about uh, how was Dan Volts the, the football player? But, you know, what do you know about him as a person? And maybe let others, you know, what fans may not know about him. Yeah, um, you know, like I said, I found that out that news um, just a few minutes before uh, you called. And, you know, it's, it's definitely unfortunate. I know how much he loves the game of football. And, you know, he's obviously a great football player. He's, you know, he's done a lot of good things at Walnut, Wisconsin. Um, and like I said, I was good buddies with Dan, and you know nothing but respect for him and as a player and a person off the field. Great teammate, um, you know just just a good a good guy. That, I think he'll definitely hang around and, and be a mentor for the younger guys and, and be able to coach them up and uh, be a veteran set of eyes for them, um, you know, in the film room and as well uh, during games on the field. I'm sure. So um, you know that he'll definitely find ways to benefit the program as well. Um, you know, even though he has stepped away from the game. Uh, during that day? 
um, you know, extreme, extreme happiness, first of all, you know, to get that call. Um, my family and, and myself and my friends were, were, you know, extremely happy and excited. Um, and, yeah, you know, a location like this, you can't really beat San Diego. Um, so, you know, people talk all the time, you know, after, like you said, about the weather and all that, you know, it's tough to beat out here. And, uh, you know, it couldn't have been, you know, a better location, better spot for me. Um, you know, the guys are great here. The coaching staff's awesome. Um, and, you know, it's been, everything's been great so far. How's it been reunited with, you know, another former running back, uh, esteemed running back for the Wisconsin Badgers with Melvin Gordon? How's it been being reunited with uh, Melvin Gordon down in San Diego? Yeah, yeah, that's been great. Um, you know, Melvin, again, when I, while in Wisconsin, we were, we were extremely close, uh, good buddies out and off the field. Um, so we just had that kind of chemistry where, you know, we kind of um, took training camp and, and you know, we, we, got, we kind of picked up right where we left off and, and getting comfortable with each other again. Um, same things and, and reading the same things um, in regards to you know, what we're seeing on the defensive side of the ball, um, but just you know, just getting getting back in that groove and uh, things are going well. Here with Derek Watt here on Bucky's fifth quarter. When it comes to learning another offense, and, and you've learned quite a few in your time uh, at Wisconsin, and then now going to the NFL. What's been some of the major transitions you've had to face while acclimating to the NFL lifestyle? Um. You know, it's it's uh, like I said, it's a new offense. It's different terminology, is a big thing. But um, you know, there's just it's, it's complex, and, and you definitely have to you know do your work in the classroom, and, and it's your job to know what to do. And coaches say all the time that the fastest way out of here and the fastest way off the field is not knowing what to do. So um, that was kind of a big thing when I came in here. I was going to do everything I could to, to learn the playbook quickly, and um, you know, I feel like I was able to do that, and um, you know, show that to the coaches. And, and you know, be able to do whatever they had asked me to do. With the you know the fullback position, how much different is it from uh, you know what you did at Wisconsin, and uh, what other roles are you are you looking out for when it comes when it comes to special teams? Um, it, it's extremely similar. Uh, you know, the, the the role on offense is, is very similar to at Wisconsin, so that's you know comfortable in that. Um, and special teams wise, I'm involved in all four phases. Um, all four phases of the kicking game, as well as doing some long snapping after we practice pretty much uh, with one of the other guys, Sean McGrath. We, we snap back and forth to each other after practice just to stay fresh on it. And if we ever needed to, you know, if we ever did uh, need to, to be utilized, um, just as another option. So um, just doing everything I can to get on the field and special teams and contributing my own impact. Here with Derek Watt, San Diego Chargers fullback, former Wisconsin Badgers standout here on Bucky's fifth quarter. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that long snap. How did that come to be? I remember, what you know, listening and, and, and reading the reports just from certain uh, with, with the All Star games or just back earlier this year. How did the long snapping come into play for you? Hey, you know, I did it uh, in high school. Well, I did it in high school for sure. Um, you know, it's one of those things that my my dad and I, you know, we just kind of did, and my both my brothers really, we just kind of did, um, you know, in the front yard every once in a while, and then you know, I did it in high school. Um, you know, we had a scholarship long snapper in college, um, so we really had two of them at one point. So, really, I uh, um, didn't need to to be utilized in that in that aspect, and, and was involved in other facets. So, um, and then we got to the Oscar game. We didn't really have a long snapper, so um, some of the guys, some of the, just the centers, were doing it, and I told the coach I could do it as well. Did a few snaps, and um, he just said, continue to work on that. Uh, so I did throughout my you know training process before the draft. And, 
and continued to work on it. And once I got here, I, I you know, continued again to work on it every day after practice. And it's definitely gotten better, and you know, I feel good doing it. And looking at the uh, just some of the, your uh, former teammates now, they're preparing for LSU on September 3rd, less than two weeks away. It's crazy how football has come back so quickly. What have you? Uh, yeah, I, I remember talking with Alex Engold uh, last week, and he's mentioned that uh, you're mentoring here and there uh, when you can. Uh, what have you? What words of wisdom have you given to the fullbacks, to, to Austin Ramish, to Alex Engold, but also a guy like uh, you know, like Leon Jacobs, who just transitioned over from inside linebacker and has two years left. Yeah, um, you know, I, I was really close with those guys. You know, obviously in the room last year as you know, as a veteran fullback and, and built a close relationship with them and, and continue to talk to them, um, you know, even now. And, you know, just, just the little things that, you know, I kind of told them when I was there and, and tried to show uh, by example, um, you know, just little technique things and, and just, um, you know, it, it's it's a position where you got to, you know, you got to really commit to it and, and, you know, be physical and be versatile. And, and you know, I know they're trying to do a lot of different things with, with those guys because they're all very talented. Um, and bring some different things to the table. So, um, yeah, you know, those guys, uh, you know, I know Leon, when he had first switched in the spring, I went to the spring game and, and you know, gave him some, some feedback on what I saw him do in the game, in, in that game. And, you know, I know he was he was reaching out to me. Um, so, you know, I'm just, I'm just there for them if they have any questions. And, and, yeah, I definitely still do keep in, in contact with them. What, what, what goals do you have for yourself uh, going into, you know, 2016 season for the Chargers, but also – uh, what do you see out of your brother TJ at outside linebacker, which, you know, a lot of people, ESPN, Fox Sports, have noted that just the, the strength of the defense kind of goes with those linebackers? Yeah, um, you know, for myself, I just, you know, want to, um, you know, one, make an impact, um, and special teams is going to be big for me, um, you know, making an impact on special teams um, and, and on offense, just whatever they ask me to do, um, you know, do it, and, and you know, that's my ability, and and, you know, try to evolve the two-back run game that we have and, and make sure, you know, establish the running game. Um, so, you know, that's kind of our point of emphasis is trying to make sure we can run the ball and, and um, you know, just just um, get, get uh, you know, involved in every facet of the special teams and, and um, drive there. And as far as TJ is concerned, you know, I think he definitely has, he was able to get a seat wet last year um, at playing outside linebacker in certain packages and throughout, throughout the year continue to get more reps. Um, but then, yeah, I expect some good things out of him. You know, I know he's worked extremely hard, and he's had a full year to get ready for the season. Um, and you know, I, you know, he's a great athlete, and um, you know, just a great football player. So, um, you know, I'm excited to watch what he's going to do this season, and I'm uh, looking forward to it. Welcome back, everybody, to the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Thank you guys for listening. Jason Galloway, always a great guest from the Wisconsin State Journal. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Jason underscore Galloway. Two L's there. Big thanks to Derek Watt that we just spoke to on that. And apologies a little bit for the uh, the audio quality. Uh, I was uh, we did not we were not able to put that into the uh, our normal studio so uh, we had to do improvise a little bit so apologies for the audio quality not necessarily being as up to standard as, as I would I would like so uh, post-production I'll try to work on that in the coming day or two uh, and you know uh, lead into that it's it's crazy seeing the former Badgers 
really in the NFL. You look at Derek Watt, who's now listed as a first-team fullback for the San Diego Chargers, reunited with Melvin Gordon. You have Jared Aberderis, obviously with the Green Bay Packers, who Rob Domofsky of ESPN.com mentioned as a breakout star for 2016. Joe Schobert's in Cleveland, another former walk-on, uh, make, you know, making do there with the Cleveland Browns. Tanner McAvoy, a Hail Mary against uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs a couple weeks ago. Alex Erickson, who you'll be hearing from in just about eight eight or nine minutes, talk about yeah. his NFL journey there. So And Joel Savi up in Minnesota. Tons of former Badgers there, but we're going to focus on the Green Bay Packers. We're going to talk about Jared Aberderis. And let's, look, maybe let's, let's start off with that point right off the bat that I mentioned about Rob Domofsky, mentioning that Jared Aberderis could be a breakout, you know, is, is a, a breakout star uh, possibility for the Packers in 2016. Now, you know, and, and let me ask you, Scotty, for a guy that was kind of on the on the bubble, right? Where yeah, you know, Tre- Trevor Davis, you know, was drafted in the fifth round. Aberderis came on due to injuries to Jordy Nelson. Randall Cobb was, you know, was injured in that uh, was it that, that postseason game against the Cardinals. Uh, you had Devontae Adams, Ty Montgomery down. Uh, he steps up and, you know, throughout OTAs, throughout training camp, he stepped up. Uh, where, you know, bef- you know, before we talk about the 49ers, where do you think Aberderis lies in this offense? And, and, I mean, do you agree with that assessment of, of him being, a, you know, a breakout star, uh, a potential breakout star? No, I don't think he's going to be a breakout star. I, I look, I love, I love Rob Domofsky's work. I think he's always been great at everything he's done. He's not a scout. Um, you know, I, I think when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, if you can get on the field and you're going to run routes well, which he'll do, he's going to see the ball and he's going to have a chance to, to, to do some good things. But breakout star, man, I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm still interested to see whether or not Devontae Adams can bounce back. Janice with the hand injury, obviously that sets him apart. He might end up being a bubble guy now. But, you know, Aberderis makes his team, no doubt, um, especially with some of the other circumstances. But we'll see. Like, you know, he's going to have to – the other thing, you know, I, I think I've said it for the four years that we've been doing this together for four preseasons. Don't fall in love with things you see in preseason. Um, see different coverages. You see different looks. You see, you might be working against third teamers, whereas if you're going to be playing in an NFL game on Sunday in September, October, you're going to be playing against first teamers. Um, my only biggest concern has always been with Aberderis is durability. Can he take the pounding for 16 games? If he can, you know, again, you know, we've seen number three receivers on this Packer team going all the way back to, to the Brett Favre days have great seasons. Um, so we'll see. It's a great story, uh, but I want to see him stay healthy. I, I'm, I'm kind of one of those. With the NFL, to me, it's, it's more about the, you know, let's see you do it for a whole season. Let's see you do it for a long period of time. And I know he's going to get a chance, and that's that's a good thing. And, and as long as he stay, like, you know, for those, there's a lot of people who are Jeff Janis fans, for example. I, I don't, I'm not neither a fan nor a detractor, I guess. I think he's fine enough, but you feel bad for him in a case like, you know, here he's trying to, you know, do what Aberderis has done in, in this camp, and he gets injured and he's on the shelf. So, you know, it, it, this game, it, things can change in one hit, one play. So I hope I hope that's the case because the Packers are going to need guys to emerge. We saw what happened last year when 
they had injuries when Jordy Nelson went down. At times, the offense was stagnant and looked terrible. So, from that standpoint, yeah, they definitely need somebody like Averdares to to be the next man up. But he's he still, you know, size wise, he still kind of he still kind of feels like a slot guy to me. And 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 you know, and we'll see. And that's why you know when you look at the receivers, why the Packers need a guy like Devontae Adams to shake off the doldrums of last year because. They need a little bit more size too to go with, to go with Jordy Nelson, and, you know. But but we'll see. I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot, we, you know, in preseason. Rodgers hasn't played. Nelson hasn't played yet. Just got activated last week. Um, you're seeing guys play with a, with quarterbacks who, you know, Hunley before he got hurt looked decent last week. But you're seeing guys play with quarterbacks who aren't going to be taking that snap come you know week one against Jacksonville. Looks like, judging from what reports are out there, it looks like Aaron Rodgers will play for the Green Bay Packers uh, against the San Francisco 49ers out in the Bay Area. Yeah, it'll probably be his only preseason game. I, I don't think he'll play in game four at all. So. Exactly. And and so, I mean, what do you expect from a – I mean, this is – you know, everyone knows this third preseason game is the – the tune-up for the offense, essentially, it's the you're going to play two or three quarters. Uh, pot, you know, in all likelihood, it's the rev up. Uh, what do you expect out of Rodgers? I mean, I don't think there's no – he's practiced so much, I don't think there will be much ring – you know, as we refer to it in the wrestling business, ring rust. Uh, I don't think there will be much uh, on his end. Uh, I mean, what what should fans expect out of Rodgers, uh, you, know, you know, in this third preseason game? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know what to expect. I, I think what you're going to be looking for is for him to hit, complete his passes, show some poise, not get hit. Big key there, not get hit. Um, therefore, not get hurt. Um, you, you know, this team, it, it just always seems to feel like this, this aura of being snake bitten with the injury. You know, snake bitten and I think some of that was uh, was multiplied when you saw Jordy Nelson get hurt last year in preseason. So I think there are still going to be some fans who are like at the edge of their seat and on bated breath watching Aaron Rodgers and hoping that you know something bad, something uh, c- catastrophic doesn't happen to him because that let's be honest, if he suffers an injury like Jordy Nelson suffered last year. This team's not making the playoffs. I, I mean, for all the talent you think they have, and like Huntley, in a division where you have a, a team like Minnesota, who's definitely better than the Packers if the Packers don't have Aaron Rodgers. So, I, I guess what my takeaway would be is let's see let's see him complete some passes and avoid the big hits. And I think a lot of people, a lot of Packers fans would be happy. Looking around the NFL, anything that's popping out to you in terms of, I mean, Joey Bosa's uh, continues his holdout for San Diego. Yeah. That yeah, end, that's, you, you that's, know, like anything else that really pops out no, to you? No, I mean, you know, there's, I mean, it, it's interesting to see some early season uh, turmoil. There's some turmoil in Buffalo, which I guess shouldn't surprise you. Rex Ryan is just such a tool. I, whatever. Uh um, you, you know, other than that, I mean, there hasn't been a major injury yet. Um, there hasn't been, you know, the major cuts yet. I mean, I, I think I think you're going to start seeing it after this 
this game and then obviously have game four, I'm always interested to see which veterans get cut and who the guys, because there's always a couple surprises in there that you may may or may not have seen coming, uh, not just on the pack, because I just I mean it across the NFL as a whole. So I think I think that's really the part that, that interests me the most is when you start to see those cuts. Because um, like I said, nothing, it's been a rather tame preseason so far as far as controversy goes again, except, you know, except maybe in Buffalo. I mean, there were some, some issues with Ezekiel Elliott uh, in the offseason between minicamp and, and training camp for Dallas. Of course, that would go to figure. The Dallas is always kind of a circus environment. You know, we're just maybe a minute away, or about 11 minutes away from the, the bottom of the hour. We got our interview with Alex Erickson going to be playing right after this. Uh, Scott, anything else uh, in the sports route real quick with the last 15 seconds uh, before we let people listen to the rest of uh, the uh, Alex uh, Erickson interview? No, no. A great Olympics. Um, ironically, you see all the great things that happen to the men's basketball team, women's basketball team. I guess the, the two things, that, the three biggest disappointments out of the Olympic uh, team sport-wise, uh, the U.S. women's soccer team and both volleyball teams finishing with bronze is when a lot of people thought they were gold medal contenders. Um, other than that, it was fun. Um, can't wait for the four years from now when I'll be waiting for more swimming and diving because I just love those events. And uh, that's it. Uh, I know we got we got some more. Uh, we got Alex Erickson coming up, and, uh, and we've got uh, more show next week to talk about how Aaron Rodgers looked against San Francisco. Absolutely. A lot of talk there about Packers. We'll talk some. We'll try to get one of our we're Packer correspondents on talk about roster cuts coming up, who's on the bubble, who makes it, who's practice squad material, who's just flat out cut or maybe finds another team or, you know, that they, they're too worried uh, that uh, the talents might be picked up elsewhere. We'll, we'll talk about roster spots for the Green Bay Packers next week. We'll also, obviously, it's a game week. Wisconsin Badgers, LSU Tigers, Bucky's fifth quarter will be up there. So will ESPN College Game Day, for that matter. Who knows? Maybe we'll be maybe one of our friends from ESPN will, will pop on by uh, if they so choose to contact us. We'll also have uh, someone on talking uh, from either and the Valley Shook, our SB Nation cousins that cover LSU football and other sports there, along with uh, maybe a couple other um, LSU uh, media members talking. Some Tigers talking Badgers should be pretty crazy there. Uh, football is upon us. This is great. And on that note, we'll let you guys go. Uh, big thanks to Jason Galloway again to uh, making some time uh, abruptly there. And, and big thanks to Scotty uh, making it on after all our technical difficulties. We promise we'll get this right uh, sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, coming up next, uh, you know, like I said, next week we'll have lots of football, LSU, Wisconsin preview, Packers talk. So much more interviews with with other Badgers. We'll have that all there on the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Without further ado, this is Alex Erickson. Our interview was taped on Saturday morning, uh, a couple days after another great punt return for the former walk-on from Darlington, Wisconsin. Talk. You'll hear him talk just about his NFL journey so far, the punt return, life of a punt returner, and the mentality of the punt returner, and also who he's kept in touch with and who he thinks. Uh, former Wisconsin Badgers uh, could stand out at wide receiver this season. So, as we say in Polish, my friends, Doza Bacenia, see you soon, and we'll talk to you next week on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Welcome back to Bucky's fifth quarter. This is Jake Okorowski, and 
Last week we talked with Tanner McAvoy, uh, Seattle Seahawks wide receiver, and talked about his journey and that Hail Mary catch. And uh, that first week of the NFL preseason was also a, a big uh, debut for one Alex Erickson, a touchdown reception, and then acting like a human pinball, bouncing off some defenders, taking and then accelerating towards the end zone for an 80-yard <laughs> 80 touchdown. And uh, this past week, another great punt return, a couple catches on his end. Alex, how you doing? And how's Cincinnati? Good. I'm doing well. Cincinnati's been good so far. Enjoying this whole process and trying to learn as much as I can every single day. And, uh, there's definitely a lot, a lot more to learn, but it, it's been it's been fun. Uh, just trying to enjoy it every day as much as I can. Yeah, yeah. I've talked to a couple of, of other former walk-ons. I know I've talked with you for for the book project that that I've worked on, and uh, hopefully it'll be published uh, midway through the year, you know, through the football season. But you know, we, we always ask about being a walk-on and then go, be going to become a, an undrafted free agent, uh, you know, sort of similar in the process of, uh, from what I've talked to a few other players, how's it been for you walking on to Wisconsin, you know, Wisconsin, becoming all, you know, all, all conference and then being undrafted, then finding, you know, home in Cincinnati and, and improving yourself once again? Yeah, it's kind of the, you know, the same mentality uh, as you do as you go as a walk-on, you know, you, uh, you know that you got the most highly talented guys. So you're gonna have to earn it. Uh, just coming to work every single day, taking the coaching, and just you know being coachable and uh, just working hard. I, mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Obviously, you know, the skill side of it, uh, making plays and all that stuff. You have to do that too. But uh, you know, if, you're, if you're working hard, taking the coaching, you're gonna be you're gonna be moving in the right direction. Yeah, that's what they want to see. They want to see constant improvement. They want to see a guy that's consistent. Um, if you can do that, you're going to give yourself a chance. We're with Alex Erickson here on Bucky's fifth quarter. And, you know, Alex, talking about the uh, – we had a lot of fun uh, watching that punt return, you know, the two punt returns you've had that have been uh, big yardage. Uh, what goes through your head – and we've asked Jimmy uh, – Coach, Le- no, Coach Leonard – I should say, when we talked to, to Jim Leonard uh, last year, talking about the, the art of the, the punt return, what goes through your head as you're trying to not just, you know, find where the ball is, position yourself correctly, but then you have 11 other players running full speed down to try to take your head off? Yeah, it's one of those plays that's very unique in the sense that it's just a long play and there's so many, so many moving parts. And, you know, the biggest thing is, like you said, you got to get yourself in position, so you're not worried about the catch. You get yourself in position, get your, your, your feet in the right spot, they catch it and get moving downhill. And you know you're going to have to make the first guy miss uh, more times than not. Uh, be ready for that. And then, you know, it, it's kind of just your instincts. You know, it's just your natural running ability. And, uh, just seeing, seeing the way the guys are blocking and cutting off of that. And, uh, those guys up front are doing a great job. Those are tough blocks. you got to block the guy for know, eight, ten seconds to stay on a guy. So um, you can help set them up, you know, stem outside, stick it up inside so they can kick them out better. You know, all those things really they really add up. But it's all those things. Just, it's just instincts. You just got to go off and play. Hey, on that punt return in, in particular last week, uh, you know, what uh, – when it can't, when it can't, when it comes to that, how did you guys? Uh, what was your thought? You know, that that 80-yard punt return. 
what was going through your head uh, as you caught it? Was it the same type of mentality you just mentioned, or, or I mean, like, what if you can? Uh, uh, how, what was going through your head uh, as you're making that play and, and finding the end zone? Well, the guy, the punter, really drove it well, so I knew I was going to have, I knew I was going to return it because he, he, you know, he kicked it really far. So I was, I was running backwards to catch it, caught it, and then I had a lot, of, I had tons of room. And, uh, and our guys were, were straining up front, and they kind of had it blocked up, and so I kind of just ran up into the pile a little bit. And, um, you know, those guys, they didn't wrap up, but our guys were also still blocking them, too, so it, it makes it a little, it makes it tougher to wrap up when you're getting blocked, too. And I was able to sneak out of there, and um, some guys made some great blocks downfield, and uh, I was able to outrun, uh, get past the punter there, and uh, get in zone. Here with Alex Erickson here on... Bucky's fifth quarter, and how has it been? Just have you been able to track some of the other you know, other Badgers? Obviously, uh, Joe Schobert uh, being a fourth round draft pick for the Cleveland Browns, and, and you guys will, uh, you know, same uh, same state and, and two competing teams there. But also, uh, you know, Joel Stave, who last week you were uh, playing against uh, with the Minnesota Vikings, if I'm not mistaken, and then. Also, you know, uh, Tanner out in Seattle, uh, and even Darius Hillary. How is he doing down in, in Cincinnati as uh, one of your teammates? Yeah, he's doing well. He's, uh, you know, they've had some injuries in the quarterback position, so he's had a lot of opportunities, and he's taken advantage of them. Uh, and, you know, he would, uh, being the guy Darius is, and the way he works, and the way he competes. So it's been fun watching him, competing against him, and uh, just going on this journey along with him. Uh, yeah, I've been able to watch some of the guys. As I was funny last week, uh, I was I was going to a restaurant and they had the Seattle game on. It was literally the last few seconds of the game. And Tanner, he had a couple of deep ball catches. Uh, it was funny because he texted me after my game, told me I need to work on my touchdown celebration. And then I, I saw him, I saw him catch a touchdown, and uh, he didn't he didn't have much of a celebration either. So I, I had to text him. So I don't know about that. And then last night, you know, I was able to catch some of the Cowboys games. Seeing Austin Trailer out there, so that, that's cool. And you know, Derek Watt out in uh, San Diego, Joe obviously up in Cleveland. Uh, you know, it, it's cool. It, all these guys you put in so much work with, you know, competed with, and uh, you know, like brothers to you for all the time you put in. The relationship you have, you just want nothing but the best for them, as they want nothing but the best for you. So it's been cool watching all these guys. I wish them the best. Uh, we're all in this. We're just all, all pushing forward. Yeah, and when you have the uh, – what's been, I guess, you know, the transition to the to the game, what's been the hardest to the professional game? Is it the, the more the more time you have now, you're not taking classes, you're you're able to focus more? Is it the, just the, uh, the increase in level of talent? Well, what's been some of the hardest – or even just the playbooks for that matter? Uh, what have been some of the – the transitions you've had to, to work with uh, in your short NFL career? Yeah, I would definitely say some of the the biggest thing for me is the mental side of it, you know, the playbook and, you know, all the, the checks and stuff we have. Uh, so for me, yeah, it's just been the mental part of it. Just, you know, staying positive all the time and just learning the playbook as best you can. Because uh, sometimes you don't get the most reps with the, uh, so it's a lot of mental reps. So you gotta you got to see what, you know, the ones they're doing, and then when you get thrown in the game, you got to be able to get it on the run and, you know, not make any mistakes that, uh, 
you know you have with the new reps. So you gotta you gotta take it in stride. Um, just it's a lot of mental, a lot of mental development. We're with Alex Erickson here on Bucky's fifth quarter. Former Wisconsin Badgers wide receiver, currently with the Cincinnati Bengals, and making an impact early on in the preseason. You, we've been been able to watch some of the the summer camp, the fall camp for for the Badgers so far. You know, looking from afar now, I don't know if you have a chance to really get a chance to, to listen, to talk to some former teammates, but who do you think is going to pop out at wide receiver this season for, for the Wisconsin offense? Yeah, I haven't been able to catch too much of it just because it's kind of tough because the way their practice schedule is and the way ours is. But, uh, you know, I think there's they got a lot of talent that room. they got a great coach, Coach Gilmore. You know, he, he's, he's a guy that gets you ready to play, allows you to you play to your style, and I think that, that's important to you know, I, I see guys like Jazz KB, the, the way he improves every single year, um, the way he takes coaching, the way he works. You know, so I, I see big things on Jazz. I think he's going to take a even bigger step this year uh, as, he, as he needs to for this team. And then, you know, Rob Wheelwright and Kip uh, size and all that stuff. So if he, he can stay healthy, I think he can have a big year too. Uh, just as we've seen him do it, and uh, he knows he can do it. He has confidence and the belief that he can do it. Uh, so be it. Uh, I see big things from him, and then you got you got to find some depth to it. Uh, you know, Reggie loves big tool. He's got got the you know, he's a big man, so hope he uses that size. Uh, you know, I think he's gonna put it all together. He works so hard. He he wants it really bad. So I, I see. Uh, him playing a big role too, and then uh, the fourth guy, George Rushing. Uh, I talked a lot to George. He reached out to me a lot, stuff like that. So I, you know, thank you guys. Always asking the right questions. Always, always around. One of the quarterbacks needs someone to catch. He's always there. He, um, just one at a time. So he, he's so fast too. So I think you know, he can play a big role too. And then uh, you got the young bucks too that I see much out of, uh, I've been hearing good things, but I, I haven't seen them personally, so I'm not sure what to expect out of those guys. But either way, you know, they'll be good to go. They'll have a good quarterback. And have the great coaching, uh, Coach Chris will have those guys doing what he needs, and then, you know, Coach Gilmore will have the technique and sound and uh, have playing fast. So it'll be awesome to see those guys play. You know, it's different now, being, being on the other side of it, but it's a part of uh, you have that sense of pride whenever you see the the, the most W out there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.